What's going on, everyone? This is Alex Trateris here with another Knicks episode. And today, we got another phenomenal guest on the podcast, Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson. And she's with us today to talk about the one and only Fred Van Vliet, the biggest topic surrounding the Knicks. If we can get a guard in here and help this team finally move forward, although it's probably going to be pretty hard to pull him away from Toronto. But we're going to have Jay just break down the positives and negatives about Fred Van Vliet. And then John, what do we got for et cetera today? What's up, man? For et cetera today, we'll just be going into the Raptors um, and how their outlook is. And we won't get into what we just watched uh, for four quarters of the Jets' bills, man. We won't, we won't have to get into that. We can wait till Wednesday for all that. Yeah, thank God for that. No. <laughs> right now. All right. All right, Ricey, you know what to do. here with the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with another Knicks episode. And with me, as always, is my co-host, my buddy, my pal, the man with a plan, trying to stay far away from the guy that we're going to talk about today. He will legitimately pull out the six-foot pole like Cartman from South Park and social distance himself away from this man, John Malika. What's going on today? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It starts off on the slander. <laughs> I, I, I just have to sit through, uh, as we said, four quarters of Jets' bills. That was kind of tough on the soul. Uh, but football's been great. Um, I'm excited to talk about why I like Red Fan Fleet, but I just don't want him on my squad. Sheesh. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know. The way we've been talking about it last way, you could just – what? <laughs> An attack throughout the bat. Hey, you attack me on the Jets, I'm going to attack you on this Knicks podcast, all right? That's how it is. And you know what? we got a phenomenal guest with – Phenomenal guest with us. I'm sorry, a little tongue twisted today to talk about Fred Van Vliet. We got Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson. She is the contributor to Raptors Republic, co-creator of the Hardcourt Honeys, co-host of Raptors Queens podcast, and she has several hats, as she says, according to her Twitter bio, for Belly Up Sports. Jade, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. It's been a while since I was on your podcast, uh, Hardcourt Honeys, where we were talking about uh, the NBA bubble uh, restart, where, you know, let's actually just dive into that for a little bit. Uh, looks like it was successful. As you know, you said on your podcast that you believed in Adam Silver, that he was really good. He had, was like 170 pages of just like whatever, of whatever, just to say, hey, we got this thing going. We got every, like, I guess, caveat just in case anything goes wrong and zero zero t positive tests of covid amongst the players and we got a finals we got a championship so what do you what do you think about that what do you have to say i mean kudos uh, i'm glad that i called it right that feels pretty good not gonna lie but like i said adam silver is a man that knows what he's doing he's a big thinker um i i think he's just really good at seeing all the angles but more importantly than that, he's the kind of leader that wants other people's input and opinions. And that is always going to make kind of the best outcome, especially when you get into a situation like COVID, which is unprecedented. So it's great. The, the league uh, recouped some of the money they lost. They're looking at doing that again with getting started um, in December rather than uh, January. So, yeah, onward and upward. Yeah, for sure. Oops. 
you know, I think Adam Silver out of all the commissioners, I don't follow hockey that well, but it seems like they did a phenomenal job as well. I don't know if they had any positive tests or not, but they were able to complete a season as well. Um, you know, when we look at baseball, baseball and football, not so much. Right? Well, they seem they seem to be they seem to be good to go, and they didn't have to spend all that money on the bubble stuff. Baseball kind of did a bubble uh, on the playoffs. But speaking of the NBA and Silver, uh, they already came out with um, another finalized kind of plan to get in for Christmas um, of this year for next season, just so that next draft and the next season is actually started on time and they can actually get back on track. So that's an, uh, an interesting way to think about it. That's why kind of the NFL didn't want to mess with anything uh, with any an MLB kind of they want to mess with the um, dates because of that reason. So it looks like uh, regardless of all that March 13th basketball craziness, um, NBA is finally going to be back on track soon. So I agree with you guys. Silver kind of held it down for the league, which is good. Yeah, thank God. And, you know, for us, you know, suffering Knicks fans who haven't seen our team play since March, we got 61 days until they potentially play. Uh, Man, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, it's like, what, uh, the Knicks haven't played or is it like 60 days until we got the games? Well, like all the team, all the fan bases that it has been since March, like I kind of forgot. I'm not going to lie. I am kind of forgot about the other eight teams that didn't go to the bubble. Jeez. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) No, but it's true, and and uh, I mean we'll we'll get into this in a later date. But I think they're gonna kind of have an advantage. Like how like how are the Lakers and the Heat gonna play like in December? You know what I mean? Like they're, just, they're yeah. Trying, yeah, like they're they're. Uh, I mean the Knicks are so healthy; they haven't played a competitive game since last December. Like I mean, we <laughs> we saw Jimmy Butler hobbling off the that interview. Like he's hurt. Yeah, he is really hurt. I felt for him just because I usually, before this whole thing started, I usually play like three or four like times a week of like pickup basketball. And like you just feel it in the legs. You're just like, oh, oh man. I just felt it for him. And I can't, like, I guess you guys are saying it, right? Um, 60 days to start it all up. I think we're going to see the craziest load management in the beginning of the season that we've ever seen in our lives. You know, I will say this Kawhi better not be on that load management thing. Come on, guys. Like this. No, <laughs> no. You guys were like the biggest disappointment. We we're looking for the Battle of LA, and we got, you know, I like the Nuggets. The Nuggets are cool, um, but not the battle I wanted to see. But yeah, that's a that's a fair call. We talked about that extensively. I I recorded Hardcore Honeys yesterday, and we talked a lot about the Clippers and what they need to do, and it's it's going to be interesting because. They're really on kind of a tipping point. Either they're going to figure it out or they're going back to being like, oh, yeah, there's another team in L.A. or near near L.A. They're going to be moving out to Inglewood. But, you know, they're going to be forgotten if they don't get it right this season, I think, again. I mean, it looks like they were kind of forgotten at the beginning of the season, right? Even when they had mm. the Lakers going against the Clippers and Kawhi was trying to make a speech, you saw that Lakers nation just showed up and just booed the living daylights out of him and no he couldn't even get a word in really so like yeah them having their own arena is gonna be a game changer for the clippers hopefully they can get the team in order but like just being outside of la city limits like way too long it took them to decide to do that well you don't think the you don't think it's working out for them to uh put Kawhi and paul george's face over the banners during the game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't think that's working out? 
<laughs> Not so much. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely need to get far far away. Although I'm curious if how many people are going to fill up that arena though, because. Do they even have that big of a following? I don't think they really do, right? It's really like a Lakers. They do, John. You, you're I mean, obviously a Lakers town. It's obviously a Lakers town, but people go to Clippers games. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like the Nets. Like people go to Nets games, even though they're like cheap. Uh, but people go to see the other team now, of course. Like the net, and then the Nets are kind of having these splashes here and there. You know what I mean? Like they had the their kind of big three in, in um, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Like that, no, they had people show up to those games. I mean, now they have KD and Kyrie, and like, of course, they're bigger and better. But we'll see. Like DeAndre Jordan on a zillion dollar deal. Like, good luck. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that's gonna really do for you. You know what I mean? They're gonna have to get rid of Jared Allen, like real basketball players, to get you know players who the fans want to see. So it's they're kind of becoming the Clippers, in my opinion. Nah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. But that's enough Nets talk. Let's go into some league notes. Because I will not talk about that team across the bridge. That is just enough. Or one heartbreak already. I don't need to hear any more about that team. So let's start, let's start off with this first news before we get into the, the crux, which is going to be Fred Van Vliet. Um, the Athletic reported, and this is probably going to hurt you, Jay, that you guys lost your assistant coach for the Raptors, uh, Nate Bjorgen. Uh, Bjorgen, yep. Yep, to the uh, Indiana Pacers. Uh, how does that make you feel? I'm actually really happy for him. I was really happy when I heard the news. I think it's a really good look for the Raptors because within kind of two seasons, we've had two assistant coaches become head coaches. You know, Nick Nurse was a longtime assistant as well before he got, you know, that top position and, and did what he did last season. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good fit in Indiana, too. I, I really like Indiana. Um I think they need a piece or two, especially if Depot leaves, which he is talking about. Uh, but I think Indiana fans are going to be happy with Nate Bjorgren. He's a great coach. He's one of my favorites. I like all the assistants, but he's one of the assistants that always jumps out to me. Um, so, yeah, it's sad to lose him, obviously. But I like to see, you know, the assistants from my team get their shot at, at the big chair. For sure. It's nice to not see the trading of like head coaches amongst the NBA, right? Where someone just gets that promotion. And I don't really know Nate that well. So what, what did he provide for the Raptors? Was he like offensive minded, defensive minded guy kind of like keeping everyone together? Yeah. The interesting thing about the way Nick Nurse runs his staff is they rotate what they're doing every few weeks. So you're getting a, a well-rounded head coach. Nobody is just doing defense. Nobody is just doing offense. They have to be able to do a little bit of everything, which I think is a great um, skill set to come into head coaching with, right? Instead of you saw with Dwayne Casey, for instance, in Toronto, he really had one kind of focus in his coaching. And we saw how that held him back a bit. Whereas Nick Nurse was always more rounded, and I like that he has identified that as a strength of his and is passing it on to his assistants too. So I think Indiana's in for like a really well-rounded coach. He's a very cool, calm, collected kind of guy. You know, he's not going to fly off the handle too much. Um, I think he's going to be a really steadying force for what is a fairly young Indiana team that could use some some meshing, I think, a little bit, especially – 
if there's going to be changes, even if Depot stays, he hasn't played a ton the last season and a bit, lots of injuries. So I'm excited to see how he does. Indiana is already a team that's on my radar to keep an eye on. So now it's just even more so. Oh, that's It's going to be very interesting. And that's pretty cool how Nick Nurse has all the assistant coaches just kind of rotating and doing different things to keep them well-rounded. Sounds like the, um, the Google or like container store, like container stores like known for, for having everyone trained to do so many different things. There's not really a manager, like, in, mm-hmm. in, but it's, that, that's kind of what it sounds like to me with the Raptors. Maybe we can actually get somebody from the Raptors on the Knicks, John. Well, we got Tibbs. I'm happy with Tibbs right now, but. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it sounds so weird, man. Having a, a coaching staff that's like functional. That's a, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> We, we, we tend to have, like, literally the complete opposite where we find, like, coordinator coaches. Like, here's one assistant coach. He's going to do all the defense. Like, just go to this guy if you want to talk about defense. This guy is going to coach the offense. Like, and then we have this guy to coach the big men. And we have this guy for the guards. Like, that's how we usually are. Very, like, uh, compartmentalized. Um, but I, I – I feel the same way that you feel about this assistant coach as we do for Miller, right? Like we want to, we want to see Miller uh, go somewhere and thrive because he coached our uh, G league team to a chip. um, And he was doing really well with them. He came in as our interim uh, after Fisdale and he did really well. And we all kind of knew that he wasn't going to pan out and be the head coach in Madison square garden because like, you just have to have a big name um, in order to do that. That's just how we roll. So, um, we, I, I kind of feel that excitement. And where, wherever Mike Miller ends up, I know we're going to be rooting for him as well. So I, I kind of feel that. Uh, for, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's already talks about uh, Jeff Van Gundy potentially going to Houston and Mike Miller potentially joining him because JVG spoke so highly of Mike Miller, uh, even with Team USA um, during the, what was it, the, the FIBA World Cup. Miller was there, I believe. And just, yeah, I, I'm looking forward for Miller, but... I'm happy with Tibbs. Really, really excited to see what he's going to do for the Knicks. Finally, an established guy. No, no, like you know, uh, tryouts really for like head coaching or just like little experience. So that's nice. Derek Fisher is not good, man. You don't want Derek Fisher. You don't I don't want- that name. You take that name out of here. I'm with Matt Barnes. All right, I side with Matt Barnes on this. Okay, okay. Um, I do not want to hear that name. You were just triggering triggering me with that. Another news. <laughs> We got Stan Van Gundy going to the New Orleans Pelicans. We got uh, Kenny Atkinson, who may join Ty Lu as the assistant coach on the Clippers. We got Dave Yoger, who is uh, joining Doc Rivers as an assistant coach on the 76ers. Um, and what else do we got here? Oh, here we go. This is the real heartbreaker. Amari Stoudemire joining the Brooklyn Nets as an assistant coach with Steve Nash. They're the Clippers, man. I'm telling you, they're the Clippers. They've literally, like, they, I, I, like, the more the Nets continue on, the more I'm just less afraid of them. Like, Jay, could you? Like, I'm wondering what your take on it is because, like, I obviously I'm biased about it, right? Because I just like don't believe um, in the Nets situation with KD coming off an Achilles because no athlete has ever come off an Achilles and done, you know, and been a superstar again. So if he does it, like, great, and he would prove everyone in the whole world wrong. He'd be the first person to do it. Um, And if there is someone, it would be him. And then we have like Kyrie who can't finish a full season. Um, They have, they have like salary problems. Like help me out. Like Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash are coaching. Like if this was, (laughs) 
just like take out the net symbol and put the Knicks sign there and color it all, all orange and blue, like it would be on fire. Like everybody would be making fun of us from like every single minute of my, of my life, like of what's going on. So could you help me out on like what anyone is thinking about bringing Mark Stoudemire as assistant coach? So the, the Nets are just such a loaded question all the time. And there are so many layers to it. Like, to begin with, I am not a fan of KD. I'm not a fan of Kyrie. Not as basketball players, but as people. Um, I don't think either of them... I know KD is not a leader. I know Kyrie thinks he is, but has clearly no idea what he's actually doing. So even before you get to the court, you have these personalities that are just so polarizing all the time. Like anytime somebody has done something ridiculous in the NBA, like 50% chance it's either KD or Kyrie. And the other 50% is the entire rest of the league. So you've got that to deal with already. Like you said, plus the injuries. So, I mean, next season's not going to be a good season. Steve Nash. I mean, I'm Canadian. I have to have some love for Steve Nash. And The thing I thought initially was I kind of like it because Nash is a stand-up guy. He's a class act. And good Lord, do the Nets need some class somewhere in that organization to even have a shot. And I kind of feel like the addition of Amari Stoudemire is kind of Steve Nash going, okay, this is what I'm up against. Let me let me call in some backup. Somebody that I know is going to have my back because they're they're tight. Somebody who you know, Stoudemire was a solid player back in the day. He he knows his way around the league. Do I think it's going to work per se? I'm unwilling to call it for the Nets because there are just so many odd moving parts on this team. I mean, even Kyrie coming out and saying, I don't really see us as having a head coach. Like, was that like two days after Steve Nash was hired? Steve Nash would be going, oh my gosh, what did I just walk into? So me and my my partner on Hardcore Honeys, uh, Shay, she does a little is a little more into the NBA gossip. So she's super excited. She lives in Brooklyn. So she's like, I need there to be the the games to be open to fans again because I need to be there to see all the crazy go down. Like she's just living for it. And I really think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be a bit of a circus in Brooklyn. And it's funny that you say they're the Clippers because I said that too. West Coast, the Clippers are going to be the circus. East Coast, it's going to be the Nets. Thank you, Ward. Please let that team be a circus. Move it away from Madison Square Garden. We got enough stuff going around, okay? It, we had the best win this past season against the Houston Rockets with RJ finally showing up. Frank had a block, had a block on Russ to, to seal the game. And what happens that day? It's not even we're talking about the game winner, right? We're talking about Spike Lee being denied entrance through a special way because James Dolan said no. And then James Dolan went there, had where there was footage from like the rafters, just like taking pictures of him and whatnot. Please let the Nets be the circus. And going back, I really want to talk about this topic because Kyrie saying that we don't need a head coach. I, that people, look, I like Kyrie as a basketball player. I like Kevin Durant as a basketball player. Let's just get that off the chest. I get what Kyrie was trying to say with the lifestyle that he's a person first and, you know, basketball second for him. Cool. Get that. 
You said then in that conversation that you didn't get them Kenny Atkinson fired. But then you said in the same sentence, you didn't need a coach who needs to push you and have you run and do drills. What are you doing? Like, like that is like the most contradictory statement. It's like, oh, so you did get him fired. Stop it. Just like, just, just stop. Try- There's some people just talk way too much to sound super intelligent. And I, it just, it's, it's stop it. Just stop it. I have a friend who sent me a text where he's like, oh, my Queens and da, 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 da. And like trying to be so philosophical. And it's like, yo, dude, just like tone it down, man. Like, just please, just a little bit, just a little bit, man. I mean, I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying on the base, but at some point they are fishing, right? Like, uh, uh, Kyrie can't say anything that's going to be good from now. Like, no, nothing he says right now is going to be taken in the right context. Like, no, obviously, he didn't want to listen to Atkinson, and then that attitude trickles down, right? If, if Kyrie's not going to listen, then why would I listen? If KD's just doing whatever he wants, just showing up for practice when he's, ba- like when he's not on the team and doesn't listen to the coach, why, why should I, right? That's, that's contagious. So I get that. But, like, you can't go up to him, right? Kyrie be like, "Hey, like you're you're the guy. You walked up into the office and fired Atkinson. Like you said, you you don't, it's me or him. Like that's not what happened. So like you're trying to blame him for it. So I I do feel for them. I'm just like I'm I'm with you though, Alex. All, I am just so happy that everybody, the national media, everybody, like on on Wednesday night, right during the season, they're gonna they're going to Barclays. Like no nobody's gonna be super worried about like RJ Barrett going like eight for fourteen. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, no one's gonna be like, no one's gonna be freaking out about it, right? Tibbs is there. Everyone's gonna be like, oh my god, the Nets, the Nets, the Nets. So I am excited for that too. Just like, I want things to like go weird. They don't have to go necessarily wrong, even though they are in our division for both of us. But just, just go weird. Like, just weird things happen over there. That'd be fine for us. I, I don't see any way things don't go weird with Katie and Kyrie on the same team. Like. Unless there's some weird cosmic thing where they cancel each other out, that's the only way I could see that it's not just going to be just one thing after another with the personalities and the media. And, I mean, you're saying, yeah, like, Kyrie, nothing Kyrie says is ever going to be right. Well, that's because Kyrie doesn't think about what comes out of his mouth before he says it. He just talks and then is like, oh, well, mind your own business or, you know, what happens in the locker room is about in the locker room. Well, guess what, Kyrie? You didn't say it in the locker room. You said it to the media. So that's fair game now. And that's the thing about him. He just seems to have such low awareness of what he is saying, like the, the combination of words that he is stringing together that I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's misunderstood. I think he's a poor communicator. I will get behind that because I hear like I, I know that he's done great things like for his community, like his hometown. He's opened up that private school back up again. He's helped people get, uh, you know, what was it? Just like um, what's the term? I guess get scholarships to go play basketball like in college and so forth. But yeah, like I, I think he's he just doesn't know what to like when to stop. But let's let's get off this. I, I did not want to get too far into this team, but I guess when we when it comes to slandering, I'll allow allow it. But. Let's get into the, uh, I guess, the main thing that we're going to talk about today, and that's Fred Van Vliet, right? Um, for such a long time, the Raptors have gotten the best of the Knicks, especially when it came to the Andrea Bargnani trade. Um, so, you know, 
I I'm worried that this is just kind of like us going back at it, just like overspending on Fred VanVleet because reports have said it that we have to spend somewhere between twenty to twenty-two plus mil annually to get him on this team to try to pry him away from Toronto. But you know, everyone's been circling back and forth. Like, is he a good player? Is he a system player? How dynamic is he? Is he going to elevate the level of uh, everyone around him? So, Jade, I guess to start off with. Um, is Fred Van Vliet considered a system player? Let's start with that. I had to think about this one a bit because personally as a basketball fan, I don't love that term system player. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it often just kind of applies to someone that got successful by an unconventional route. So if you're asking me in that context, sure, he's a system player. But if you're asking, does he, is he only going to work in a certain type of system? No, I don't think so. Um, and that's for a few reasons. First of all is just kind of his personality and his character. He's a ridiculously hard worker. He has an off-the-charts basketball IQ. And he has a chip on his shoulder as being an undrafted player. He believed he should have been drafted. I think in hindsight, most people would agree that he should have gone in the draft, seeing what's happened. Um, and he knows he deserves to start. That's that's a non been a non-negotiable thing. If the Raptors are going to keep him, like he's a starter now, that's kind of the end of the conversation. So because he is such a hard worker and he's smart about basketball, I think wherever you put him, he's going to do work for you. And in a team like the Knicks, where he will be walking into a leadership role with nobody on your current roster has the experience he has, right? He's been all the way to the Holy Grail already in his career. And he was an important part of that. You know, he was that one off MVP vote that made it not unanimous for finals MVP for Kawhi. So in that kind of a team, I don't think it's a system thing, but I think the opportunity to be the leader, it's going to be, it would be his team unquestionably if he went to play in New York. And if that's what he's looking for, I think Knicks fans would be, will be really happy with what he has to bring. Okay. And I agree. I don't necessarily agree with a system player. I think, and I think it can be applied in the NBA for, you know, certain role players, right? Like if we're talking about a three and D guy, which is, the most common term or just a rim runner, like a, a Quinn Capella or even like what we have, right? Mm -hmm. Mitchell Robinson. I think those guys and not saying that they can't transform into anything else. Right. But at that time they are, they are a role player and they fit into a certain system for their certain skill set. I don't see Fred Van Vliet as that. Cause he does so much and he can do so much. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was really the third option and he's really developed come into as a third option. I think your top guys are Pascal and Kyle Lowry, right? Those are undeniably one and two. And he's been able to flourish in the three in that third role. Uh, maybe, I don't know. How did, how did you feel like last, uh, I guess when they won the chip, right? Cause you guys also have um, Marcus all. You also had Serge Ibaka. Do you think one of those guys were, were surpassing him as a number three at that time? Do you think he was just elevating his game? Because part of the playoffs, he did like have a little slump, but then had a second child and then, all things went great. Everything changed. Yeah. Um, the thing about with that squad that won the championship, 
and I've, I've thought about this a lot because it's a big conversation. Um, kind of every piece was a critical piece. And the thing about Fred is that him handling the ball allowed Larry to score more points because he didn't have to run the offense all the time. Taking that weight off of Kyle Lowry was huge. And so that's not the thing that you see in Fred's box scores. It's not showing up in his points average. But without having Kyle be able to go off the way he did, like he played some of the best basketball his entire career through the season and that playoffs. That only happens because you could trust Fred to run the offense and he could be facilitating for Kyle, whereas Kyle didn't have to be the facilitator. So that's kind of the underrated thing I think Fred brings to the table. Like, yeah, he can score. Um, he, Everybody on the Raptors are great defenders. They're a defensive team first. But without his taking that weight off of Kyle Lowry, we needed, we needed every point Kyle scored through the, through the playoffs and the finals. So that's even almost more important than whatever slump he had, because even when he wasn't shooting well, he was still doing that job. Gotcha. Okay. Um, John, do you have anything to hop in right now? Yeah. Jade, uh, you, you uh, mentioned how he came into the league unconventionally. Um, he was with Wichita state uh, back in the day with uh, Mr. Ron Baker uh, who we ended up also paying a ridiculous amount of money to do absolutely nothing. Like, why Why isn't Fred Van Vliet just a glorified Ron Baker? Seriously. Like, I, I, honestly, if Fred Van Vliet was on our squad instead of Baker at the time, he, I, I feel like he would have did exactly the same thing he did. We would have paid him the extension we would have paid to Ron Baker, and then he would have also been playing internationally right now. You know what I'm saying? Literally, I, I honestly think that that would have been the same exact trajectory. Uh, so well, I, we should what do- else? Instead of, uh, you know, not paying Fred Van Fleet for five years. What I'll say to that is Fred Van Vliet grew up in the Raptors organization. He grew up with a winning team. He had to make his minutes on a team that was winning more games every season than the season before. That's kind of the thing that makes the guys coming out of the Raptors, um, the young guys, unique. You're Fred Van Vliet, you're Pascal, um, Norm Powell. They had to earn their minutes on a team that was better than they were the season before and better than they were the season before that. That's not an easy thing to do when you've, you've got your guys there that are, good, that are scoring. You've got your starting lineup, right? He worked his way into the starting lineup in a short period of time, not on a garbage team, on the winning playoff team, and was important in, in winning a finals. Like... Sure, he came into the league in a similar way, but I think his experience in these first few years in the league probably pretty different. I can get behind that. I mean, we did have Ron Baker in our G League system. I actually attended a couple of those games to watch Ron Baker, and I was like, yo, this kid's good. This is actually when Mike Miller was coaching. And this kid, Baker put up like a close to a, a triple-double almost, like some crazy numbers. And I was like, oh, snap, this kid can play. And I love that Wichita team too. You know, we also took uh, Clay Anthony early. But I think you you said it right, Jade. The Raptors are just a well-groomed organization who can develop players, right? So Fred VanVleet also didn't have to have that pressure of just like having to succeed. I think to a certain extent, Ron Baker, there's no pressure for him to succeed. 
because he wasn't, we weren't relying on him to be like a top player, but we did pay him a good amount of money where we did demand some sort of like production and we didn't necessarily get that, but he was gritty enough. But going back to Van Vliet, um, would you think that he's a, if he left, right? And if he came to the Knicks, do you think he would be a good one or two option or do you think he's max like the third option on a, on a good team? I think ideally he's a number two option. Um, mostly because of his size, like he's six feet tall. He's, he's a little dude. He plays really big, but he's a little guy. And, and sometimes I, I, I still yell at the TV. I'm like, Frank, you are six feet tall. What are you doing trying to drive against Anthony Davis? Like, no, don't, don't do that. Um, but the reason I like him as a number two is like, yeah, he's going to get up his points, but I like him as a facilitator. Like I said, I don't think you want to limit his ability to facilitate for a team, especially a team like the Knicks that really needs some help finding their way. I think if he comes in, you want him to be able to facilitate as much as he scores to get the other players involved, to help them find out, you know, where their games are and how it's going to work and, you know, running pick and rolls and all that kind of stuff. And I think if you, if he has to be a number one option, you're going to miss out on, on a lot of that. And I think, you know, on another team, maybe his scoring is going to be the most important thing. But I think if he was to join the Knicks, you need to get both out of him. And in order to get both, I think you need someone else to take on that main scoring responsibility. Yeah. I mean, we had no scores. We were dead last in the league. We couldn't really put up that many points. We relied a lot of we relied heavily on our bigs, specifically Julius Randle, Bobby Portis. Um, those were the guys that we needed a lot of production out of. And honestly, guards has been one of our weak points. And I know John over here has been, as well as myself, been clamoring for a guard. So, you know, I guess the, the bigger question is, would you think Fred Van Vliet is worth 20 to 22 million, like annually? Mm-hmm. After season? Yeah, before before you get into that, uh, just because you you mentioned the um, the six foot thing, and I know we're like harping on the offense and what he can do for the offense, and maybe we could run a pick and roll once or twice, like that'd be great. Um, and he can do that, but it, it, look, I, I mean, as you kind of saw in the playoffs, right, with no Kawhi behind you to kind of be your deodorant, like he's. He's an issue on defense, right? Like, so, so, like so, sometimes, sometimes opposing offenses might be like looking for the you know Van Fleet mismatch off you know a couple screens, screen him off, you know, and now all of a sudden he's on the small forward. He, I mean, that's what that's kind of what the teams were doing for the Raptors and how they were catching them. Um, they would just kind of keep screening, screening, screening until they had Van Fleet off. Golden, the same thing happens with Golden State, right? Like that's why they send Steph Curry all the way to the corner. You know what I mean? So that hopefully he doesn't get picked through and pick up the man. But Steph Curry's like his three, his momentum change is enough for them for that deodorant of himself. So I'm just like, that's what I'm worried about. Like, I'm worried about paying, you know, Fred, who is a great player, who obviously we need a point guard. But we're going to pay him five years, 22 million a year or whatever it is, you know, as Alex's question um, alludes to. And then we don't, we still don't have an on-ball defender. Like that, that to me is what drives me nuts. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. That's something that 
your coaching staff's going to have to figure out how to fill in some other way. Um, but I mean, when, when Toronto ran the box and won to keep Steph Curry under check, it was Freddie that, that was on Steph Curry running all over the place and he held him down. So there's gotta be, there's gotta be flexibility. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I question how seriously Fred would think about the Knicks because the way that the Raptors defense works, um, those adjustments are a little bit easier to make just because they do change their defensive schemes so much and so often and so many times during the same game. Sometimes they are going from a zone to a man-to-man in the same possession. So that kind of alleviates a bit of that. But yeah, it's something that would definitely have to be addressed. Do I think it's a reason to not bring him on the team? Not so much. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think we're just worried about the money. I I think the money is an issue, and I'm not necessarily worried about Fred's height. I mean, we look at Kyle Lowry, right? He's another small guy. They're the same height, yeah. Same height, and Kyle Lowry is a a pit bull when he plays, and he will take on anybody and not afraid of anyone. Will take the charge, does every small thing you want out of a point guard, even like we see Kemba Walker, right? And I'm not saying Fred Van Vliet's like the same, like, echelon as all these guys, right? We can have that debate another day. Like Kemba, I think Kemba's like is slowly getting out of his prime. But when Kemba was, you know, scoring the lights out, six foot dude that not worried about Chris Paul, the point god, six foot. I'm not necessarily worried about the height. Um, as and Fred shows that he plays defense at a high level. It is the money. It is the money because we are going to dig into the cap that the Knicks have. It is. We're, we're projected to have somewhere between 40 to 50 mil in cap space. And if we do put, you know, 22 million into Fred Van Vliet, that, li- that limits who else we could bring on this team. So I never, I never feel bad for New York about the cap space. Like just going to the luxury tax, you are the most valuable team in North American sports. Like just bite the bullet. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the side where I'm like, I'm willing to, pay you know into the luxury tax if we're getting a contender but if we're paying for four years and we're not having a contender at least and i guess the thing is that you know we we spent money on julius randall right now julius randall some you know it's difficult to move his contract we've had guys who've signed a hefty amount even tim hardaway jr who is flourishing in dallas but then it's hard to move i think fred van vliet is a better player relative to his position than those guys, I think it may be difficult to move, especially if you come to the Knicks and the next thing you know, you do the next thing, which is start stinking it up because that's usually what happens when we overpay guys. <laughs> We've seen that way too many times. Yeah, I don't even think it's a luxury tax issue. I mean, honestly, as much as slack as Dolan gets, he spends, right? Where, where there's absolutely no salary cap on the front office and the head coaches, he spends. Like, the, the guy is paying, like, seven head coaches right now to coach the Knicks. Right? Like, he doesn't care. He'll fire them, hire a new one, fire them, hire a new one, and everyone gets a five-year contract. You know what I mean? But so like, that's the problem, though. You never got, get to get any consistency. So it doesn't matter that he's spending. It matters how he spends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just saying, like, I don't think they're worried about, like, jumping into the luxury tax if, like, their soft cap allows it. The problem with us is, like, managing the actual – like 
cap on the books, right? Like we're still paying Noah, right? So like now all of a sudden, like our cap is smaller. Like, you know what I'm saying? We're paying all these guys and like we have Randall on the books. We have now going to have fan fleet on the books. And then by the time you know it, we're going to have to start paying RJ and Mitch. And like, we still don't have a guard. You know what I mean? That we still like after all this. So I think that's really where our worry comes in, where um, we jump to really like the big crux in, you know, the Knicks, I guess, fan off season. But I guess like where we're trying to decide for the Knicks front office is, do we want to pay Van Fleet 22 mil or, you know, what everyone is saying, which I agree with, by the way, I don't think that's a hoax. Like I think, I agree with that. If you're going to take – if Van Fleet is going to leave Toronto a comfortable situation where he's chilling, all right, like you're going to have to pay him five more mil a year. Like, yes. Like, you know what I mean? That makes sense to me. It shouldn't be the same price. So if he's doing that, you're – like the Knicks are just going to be worse and he's going to be worse and the team's going to be worse. Like So for me, it just makes no sense. But, I mean, the Knicks making a no-sense move, like that's – that's normal for me. So like that's par for the course for 20 years now. <laughs> and like that's why like we're probably gonna give Fan Fleet a max call it a day. Like that's what I expect. So trade him 18 months later. Yeah, that yeah. he'll be back on Toronto, don't worry. <laughs> Look, we 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 traded Tim Hardaway Jr., then signed him in free agency and outbid ourselves by like 30 mil okay like that's it's par for the course for being the knicks you know i was i remember reading that it was uh the hawks were expecting to get they're like oh if they offer if they offer him like 40 45 we're gonna say no and then they see 71 they're like they did a double take they're like what is that real really yeah it is real i so i guess jay what do you do you think van vliet is worth 22 million to bring to the knicks and is he going to be? Because he's a he's he's classified as a combo guard, right? We need a point guard. Can he? Is he the type of guy that you can rely on every single night to, you know, mo, most possessions, handle the ball, get everyone in order, like put him in the right position to succeed? Is he that type of guy that can organize the offense? You mentioned that he can, you know, he helped Kyle Lowry score, and Kyle Lowry is, I would say. The point guard. He's the guy who's usually directing the offense, even when he is scoring. Is Van Vliet that type of guy? Because if he's that type of guy, I will gladly pay $22 million to bring a guy who can organize the offense and get everyone in position to score and moving. And or- that whole, the whole, you know, nine yards, I'll gladly take it. Is he that type of guy? He's definitely that type of guy. He He's a very locked-in kind of player. Like, his nickname in Toronto is Steady Freddy, right? That's That's his thing. Because he's the guy that comes in when things are not quite clicking or when you need a big basket to change the momentum or the right pass. Like, he did not get that nickname for no reason. And that's what that's his only nickname in Toronto is Steady Freddy. So, yeah, he's definitely the kind of player that a team like the Knicks um, could use. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's still the Knicks and it's still James Dolan. So I I don't really think any amount of any combination is necessarily enough to overcome the owner. Um, like I feel bad basically for everybody that goes to New York. I, I kind of feel bad because I'm like, it's not going to like New York is the common denominator. Like you guys talked about paying guys and then they don't do well. Well, 
yeah, like I, I kind of expect that going in. <laughs> yeah, I mean the expectations are high, and the res and the path to success is narrow, and the resources are low in the salary cap. Like that's that's really the recipe, and that and that's why we're so hesitant. Like when then, and then it comes out. Oh, how can the Knicks be so? dumb and arrogant to not want somebody like Fred Van Flea on the squad, you know, a championship winner is, you know, he obviously can carry a team without Kawhi deep in the playoffs. Like how dumb are the Knicks? We haven't had a point guard for 27 years, you know? And like, but like, that's why we have the reservations, you know, because he comes here. We're not going to put him in the position because he eats up the cap. It's just not going to work out. Um, You know, people, it's just, it's going to be the same thing that happened with Melo, right? We brought in Melo. We wanted him so bad. He's going to be so good. Brought him in, gave away everyone. What's Melo going to do by himself? Nothing. So that that's really what I'm worried about. Um, so I, I personally think Fred VanVleet should just stay in Toronto, hang out. Him and Nick Nurse are perfect for each other. Um, and really, like, Spicy P in there is great, too. Like, th- I feel like those three could just stay in Toronto forever. And they can do no wrong just because they were there for the chip. Like just stay there, stay there for like six, six more years and then call it a day. That's, that's just how I see it. See, and this is where I, I guess I differ. I guess I'm more on the optimistic side when it comes to the Knicks. And the only, you know, if, if it was, um, I don't know, I don't know. I guess I don't know how to describe it. I, I feel different with how we're going with the off season now for the Knicks. I, I don't know how much you know about uh, what we've, what happened to the Knicks with getting new, like we got Thibodeau. We got a new like assistant coaching staff with Mike Woodson. We got uh, Kenny Payne from Kentucky. We got all these guys. Then we revamped the front office with like Leon Rose, Worldwide West. We got uh, Walt Perrin from the Utah Jazz, who's selected six NBA All-Stars. You know, he was the same guy who chose Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, um, Gordon Hayward, so forth. Uh, pretty sure Deron Williams as well. And I just feel confident that we have the development staff as well as the coaching staff in place to actually execute something this time around. And I'm, uh, there's been, there's nothing like I haven't seen a product yet, but I just feel something's different with the team, especially with Thibodeau and the way that the organization is moving. And I would say this that Dolan really hasn't touched the roster since that mellow trade. Like he's fired people left and right, but he has not touched a trade since Melo, which I hate to this day because I wish Melo came in free agency. I wish we could have just gave him the roster that he needed and we kept draft picks. You know, people want to bring up like, oh, well, Jamal Murray was part of that trade package going out to Denver. Oh, well, how about this and that? And it's like, we miss out on all these players now. It's like, okay, I, I get it. We could we can do this for every other team too. All right. Everyone misses on somebody. The Knicks during that time, I'll agree though. We it was an egregious trade. We got fleeced by the one and only Masai Ujiri. Once again, he loves to fleece the Knicks, which is why there was reports that Dolan said, "Why not get the guy who loves to fleece us?" Which I would have laughed because we probably would have traded picks just to get Masai and had nothing. So thank God that didn't happen. But I actually do feel different around this time around. And honestly, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just drinking the Knicks Kool Aid for way too long. But yeah, you can shake your head at me, John. It's okay. I know. Uh, it's funny you mentioned your jury because I have a thank God moment for Dolan because you guys almost got Kyle Lowry. Like, almost. Uh, it was this close. And only because you jury had fleeced 
you guys twice already with Mello and Bargnani. Dolan pulled out like in the 11th hour. And, but for that, we like, we don't have a championship without Kyle Lowry. So like, thanks James. Good luck getting out. <laughs> Literally did. He got spooked uh, at the end. He's like, ah, I don't know about all this. Something's weird. Something weird's going on. He, somebody probably whispered in his ear, like, dude, you're going to trade to the Raptors again. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I agree with you. The thing is, I think, according to reporting, is that most of those guys who were in Dolan's ear, most of them are out. The front office is, like, really revamping. But I was actually one of the people who was like, we should get Kyle Lowry. And then I also had friends who were like, we shouldn't get him. He's, like, injury prone. He didn't really do that well. I'm just like, are you nuts? Like, who was the last point guard that we had? And then we pulled out because we didn't want to trade Amon Shumpert. And I was like, we didn't want to trade Amon Shumpert? I like Shump. Yeah, man. Yeah, man, that Knicks tape really, really had him going here for a while. Yeah, really, uh, really. Turned the the court, right? Yeah, really love that rap song. So great. (laughs) We we, pulled the banner down again, MSG banner. We have a rap song. We had two rap songs. Cool. We did it, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess, so, I I, I guess, so, I'm fine with paying Fred Van Vliet. I know John's a little hesitant. I'm 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 willing to do it. I'm a lot hesitant. Yeah, you're a lot hesitant. Thank you, Jade. I, I just want to clarify. Did you say yes that you, if you're the Knicks, would you do it? Like in this case, I would. I would do it if I was the Knicks. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's two against one, John. Someone trying to get rid of the money off the books. She just she just doesn't want the the. Oh, okay, Van Fleet. He was good here. You took care. No, no, no. This is an objective opinion because I want him to stay, and I'm pretty sure he's going to stay in Toronto. I think so too. I and make honestly, I feel like it would be silly not to honestly to take five more million dollars a year for a couple of years and and likely get a worse contract after that doesn't seem like the best idea. Like he's gonna get a better contract if he just stays in Toronto. First of all, he could stay on the bird rights; it'd be better. It'd be good to go for their salary cap. Um, it just and and honestly, he could do no wrong. Like if he's right. if he stinks for a year and a half, two years on the Knicks. Like people are gonna find out where he lives, you know what I mean? They're gonna make him miserable. <laughs> grocery store, like he's he's gonna be miserable. Like if he stinks in Toronto the next two years, and I say a bad word about him, like you're gonna slander me, you know what I mean? They do not say one bad word about Fred Van Fleet, you know what I mean? You know he's steady, steady Freddy. We're good to go. Like don't worry about it. He'll be back. So even that, like that peace of mind, I feel like is just worth it. Well, and the other thing to consider is. Kyle Lowry's extension is only through next season. And honestly, I don't see the Raptors paying him again unless he somehow manages to continue to play just out of his mind. One of three things is going to happen. He's going to go play somewhere else for the money that he wants that Ujiri will not give him. He's going to take a pay cut to stay and retire with the Raptors or he's just going to retire. Either one of those scenarios, the team's Freddy's to take over. You know, like if Kyle's got to take a step back, they, they'll just keep if Kyle stays, they'll just keep doing what they're already doing. But Fred will do it for more money. And if he leaves, Fred's the man. So it's a family he grew up with. It's a very close organization. They love Toronto. His family loves Toronto. Um, the distance is not a huge big difference because let's face it, New York and Toronto are not that far apart in terms of NBA geography. So Honestly, I think he's going to resign. I think he's going to stay. And 
we've already got should Kyle leave, Terrence Davis is going to be ready to to step up as point guard, as a backup point guard by the time the end of next season comes. Plus, he's so much bigger than Kyle and Fred. So, like, I'm super excited to have, like, a full-size point guard. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I love Kyle and Fred. But having a full-size, like, point guard would be so cool sometimes. You know, once in a while. Woo! We got a heightism over here. Kyle, I <laughs> with the height. Jesus. Oh, my God. Um, I agree. I mean, that was going to be my next question. Does Van Vliet stay? I don't see Van Vliet leaving either, like, if the money's close enough and it's even, even if it's West, why leave a chance? You were just in the playoffs. You were just competing. You're a champion. Why leave a good system? I think it'd be pretty difficult. What would you say the odds are uh, that he would leave, I guess? If the Knicks are his only other viable option, like 100% he stays in Toronto. <laughs> I, I don't know who else is going to be. I'm not sure who else is going to be looking for a point guard like that. I know that uh, Kawhi is clamoring for a point guard. But, I mean, there's also rumors that Kawhi is being chopped. So I'm not really putting a lot of weight into that until the Clippers decide what they're doing with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Because that that team is completely, like we talked about, in flux right now. Um, And I just can't think of any other teams that that's really where they need to the point where they're going to want to spend the kind of money that he he's going to demand in this free agency. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I mean, I would, I would, I would, once again, I'd pay Fred VanVleet just because at some point you need to get good talent on the team and you only elevate talent with good talent. You can't just, mm-hmm. you know, there, we can go through this whole question of like how development works. You need the right, you need the right uh, mix of good talent. Who's a veteran. You need solid veteran presence. You need the youth, all that coming together, and I think the Knicks are just missing that good veteran leadership who has talent. And at the guard specifically, which we've been clamoring for, which Fred VanVleet would be, there's been other you know reports of like maybe Chris Paul comes. God knows I would die if Westbrook came here because I would just fall off the face of a cliff because that's the last guy I need to see on this team. I do not need to see a zero Westbrook jersey in New York. My God, I will literally cry. It'll be entertaining as hell, but it'll, I will literally cry because I know that, cool, we, we just guaranteed like the ace spot and now really got out of the draft for a guy who's quickly just going to plummet uh, because he doesn't he can't really shoot that well. We 28% from three, that just adds to the whole problem. Just give me Alfred Payton again. Um, I would take Fred VanVleet. I, I would, I just, we just need talent. I think he would, he would do it. But I agree with all of you that I think he just stays in Toronto. And speaking of Toronto, let's take a quick break and then hop into the et cetera portion. All right, everyone. And we're back from that break. We all know you love hearing John's beautiful voice talk about Anchor. But John, what do we got for et cetera today? Oh, for et cetera today, we're going to switch it up a little bit from Knicks basketball, but we're going to stay in the same division. And we're going to ask Jade about, we're going to kind of move a little bit past Van Fleet because we have him re-signing, right? We have Jade re-signing um, Fred to the Raptors. So what's what's the next move um, with, with our boy, number two, not Derek Jeter, Landry Fields, Alex, <laughs> um, joining the Raptors, right? Our beloved Landry Fields, who at the time, I remember we wouldn't trade him for like the world, right? He was like our best player ever, but we couldn't trade him. 
Um, Wasn't he part of the all rookie team? Pretty sure he was part of the all rookie team too. Like, and it was like either first or second team, and we had we got him from uh, Stanford. Him, Jeremy Lin, the two, uh, you know, the elites doing their whatever the handshake of like brushing fossils and just like doing magnifying glass and whatever. It was a good time. Uh, you knew it was coming to an end when Mike Woodson took over after D'Antoni stepped down and Landry Fields got the nominal start of like five minutes and then never played the rest of the game. So, yeah, <laughs> Jay, I guess let's start with that question. What, how was Landry Fields in Toronto? I was always a fan of Landry Fields. I'll even admit to having a little bit of a crush on Landry Fields when he was in Toronto. Not going to lie. How he gets, um, by the way, that's how he gets it. I feel like... like- <laughs> Gotten him through like the NBA, by the way. I mean, that's how he just like continues to move through. Like, oh, yeah, he's a nice guy. Oh, whatever. He'll play the bench. Yeah. So he was one of those guys. Like, I did like his game, and it was disappointing because he had that nerve injury and his shot disappeared. Um, but I always watched him, and I always thought, like, he's he's more talented than what he was able to do in Toronto, I think, because of the injury. He was, he's such a nice guy, very like collected, very steadying force for the team when he was there. So yeah, I was sad he didn't get to get to his potential based on that injury. Yeah. So, so how do you see him doing in the front office, right? So you have Marcus all on that like $30 million contract last year, but you have some real questions. You have Van Fleet and you have Serge Ibaka, right? And then you have a... Their moves, like how how are you going to fill that roster? I mean, honestly, with I mean, OG he'll be resigned, but the the Raptors kind of look kind of bare on paper. Like they don't really look like that championship team at all. I know Kawhi's gone, but just the team right now just look look kind of bare. Yeah, so I've had this conversation with Raptors fans too because I feel like there's a bit of overreacting to the way the Raptors season went. Um, a big part of that is because of the series with Boston. And I, my thing was like, look, we played the worst basketball we've played since DeMar DeRozan was still a Raptor. And we still forced Boston to go to seven games. Like they played garbage basketball and you still had to play seven games. So I'm not that worried about them based on that. The other thing is that like, I, I, I like to do research on how teams get where they are. So I've done like, I did a four part series on the Knicks last summer, starting when James Dolan took over and went through like all the moves and things that have happened. Um, and I did a similar thing for the Raptors and how they, they built themselves when uh jury took over to the point where they got a championship and it's the development is just ridiculous for the Raptors the last several seasons so that's one place that I'm always like, there, there's people up and coming. Um, Matt Thomas uh, was got a little bit of a hard time because he was inconsistent. Um, but Matt Thomas was a rookie this season. Like, we're supposed to expect this. It was, yeah, he's played professionally overseas, but it's his first season playing in the NBA. I think he's going to be a lot better than he was. And we also saw that he wasn't, he's not just a shooter. They brought him in for his shooting, but he's got a great floater. He handles the ball serviceably. Like, he's not going to be crossing anybody up, but he's not the guy that you go, oh, my gosh, get the ball out of his hands now. Like, you know, he's not that guy either. And he's a solid defender. 
So he's going to continue to develop. And the Raptors obviously uh, believe in him. They signed him for four years right off the bat. So he's going to be around. OG Ananobi is another guy to look out for. Um, he's kind of my dude on the Raptors, partially because I really like his game. But like odd little Timbit, his personality is just like my little brother to the point where it's kind of creepy. So when he hit that game winner against Boston and in the interview he was asked, did you think it was going to go in? He goes, yeah, I don't shoot to miss. I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what my brother would say. Like same tone, same words, everything. So I have a soft spot for him because of that. But he was kind of forgotten because he missed the playoffs last year with the appendectomy. And then he had one thing after another that previous season. He was injured. His dad died. He had the emergency appendectomy to miss the playoffs. He's going to be better. He's going to continue to get better. His shooting has already improved markedly between the previous season and this last season. He is a future all-defensive team pick. I'm sure of it. He's an incredible defender. Like He's the guy that guarded James Harden and, and LeBron James this season and handled it. You know, so there's up and coming pieces. And then if Fred leaves, we're going to be looking for a center, obviously. Um, I'm kind of have my fingers crossed that Cleveland and Drummond can't come to an agreement and we can maybe pick him up now that Marcus Gasol is playing over in Barcelona. Um, so that's a spot that's got to be filled. Beyond that, the thing about being a Raptors fan is if you're smart, you don't listen to any rumors about what trades are going to happen because Masai Ujiri and company play things really close to the vest and they almost never do the thing you expect is going to happen. So I have a policy of just be of just like, yeah, when, when the Raptors announce it, then I'll talk about it because it's so hard to know. Like you can speculate all you want and Masai Ujiri will still figure out the thing that you're like, Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. And Chances are it'll work. So it must be nice. Yeah, I was about to say we don't <laughs> play like that here, because then we then we would be trading like first round picks for like Catino Mobley, like, and that's that's what that's what we're thinking about. But I'll, I wouldn't be thinking too much about Andre Drummond. I think he has like a twenty nine million dollar player option this year. So I don't think I don't think anyone's. I think he's. I think he's gonna come to an agreement with himself. He's gonna have to option so maybe maybe next year though and honestly here's another thing with free agents this year what team is is really going to uh blow the bank for a free agent with no offseason right there's no offseason this year right we're, we're jumping right into december so even if you do sign somebody brand new he's gonna come in they're gonna stink right so like i know like we have like Gallinari. And I want to ask you about Gallinari because I think Gallinari would be perfect in Toronto, right? He, he already has like the international thing going on. He already has the shooting that the Raptors need, right? He's got the wing like that. He just, he, and he's going to be cheap. He just seems like a nice fit for me, like one or two years. But even if he goes to Toronto, I just think that he's going to stink for like six, for like, you know, the first, the first like quarter of the season, because like, he's not going to know how to like fit with like spicy P on the side, where to go, like, like, you know, how to really manage it. So that's another thing that I'm kind of worried about with like non veteran, like if like non like solidified veterans, like Chris Paul goes to Milwaukee, no problem. 
I don't, I don't, you know, like he's going to figure that out in like two, three weeks, call it a day. But even that'll take some time. Um, I just don't trust uh, team like brand new teams to get it together so early. Uh, that's just like my opinion on bringing in like crazy people, like Andre Drummond in Toronto. To me, like that sounds that sounds that sounds terrible. Like for me, I would just I'd rather keep Serge Ibaka, right? Who honestly, every single time OKC back in the day had a run, and every time Toronto had a run, and every game that Serge Ibaka played in, those teams won. And whenever Serge Ibaka was like uh, was going like four for twelve, or you know doing all these weird things like not picking up the defender, you guys are getting blown out of the water. Um, and yeah. he was like the kind of like the X factor. So I, I, I would I would like to pay that guy and not like bring in uh, grasses greener type dude. Like okay, my scenario is we have both of them because we need a center because Marcus All is gone. So. I, I'm not about getting rid of Ibaka. Definitely not. Sure. He's his win. His win share percentage is a lot higher than you would expect if if you don't really follow the team that he's on. Uh, so I totally agree with you there. I just know like they got to find somebody because our backup options at center I don't think are ready, and I don't like Ibaka starting. I like him off the bench. So I think the Raptors are going to be in the market for a starting center. That makes sense. I I actually would like Drummond on the Raptors with Surge. I think that's a formidable like like five like having Drummond to start. Who who plays the four for Toronto right now? Is it Pascal? Or uh, they're pretty flat. Like the Raptors are getting very close to positionless basketball in outside of the center position. But yeah, mostly it's Pascal. Okay, I mean that would be pretty solid if you had uh, Van Vliet, Lowry, Drummond, Pascal. Who who who's the OG. other? OG? That would be OG that would be, be my lineup. Okay, I okay, I love OG. OG, uh, if the was I did a redraft for fan sided, and uh, the Knicks would be selecting OG if we did it all over again. The same draft that we took Frank Nolkina. OG is so amazing because he can guard any position. any position. His his size, it is what you want for positionless basketball. And honestly, I look at him and his play style. Like he plays a little slow. He has a little herky jerky like Kawhi. I feel like just playing with Kawhi for one year, he's like. He added Pascal's spin move this season, and his footwork on defense is just insane. I, yeah, I like him. Another guy that I like is Norman Powell on uh, on the Raptors. He's a he's a good shooter. I, you know, things that Knicks don't have. You know, positionless basketball players, good shooters. I watch the Raptors. I'm just like, hey, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors try and move on from Norman Powell this off season. And why is that? Uh, consistency. I, I just don't think he's shown enough that he's going to con- like once he gets there, he's he's great, but he does not have that ability to like say he's off for injury. He's like a good month, month and a half, sometimes two months before it's like, oh, there's Norman. Nice, welcome back. Nice of you to show up again. And like, don't get me wrong, I love one of my cats is named after Norman Powell. I kid you not. So, like, I like Norman Powell, but I'm kind of – I'm over the inconsistency with him a bit. That's awesome, naming a cat after Norman Powell. Do you, what's, the, uh, what is it, what's the other cat's name? Uh, I have three. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm that chick. So, Norman, Shoku, and Ellie are my cats. Nice, 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 nice. I got a cat, too. His name's Wally, but he's named after the Flash. <laughs> nice. 
See, I'm hoping being into basketball offsets like the crazy single girl with three cats thing. That's, you know, that's my hope. Fingers crossed. Cats are amazing. Cats are great creatures. Love them. <laughs> Um, I I got another question for you, uh, before we close this thing out, um, how, what was the feeling in Toronto when, uh, DeMar DeRozan was traded and you guys got Kawhi? What was that feeling? So my feeling was very different from the rest of Toronto. Most of the rest of Toronto fans, like I'm wildly in the minority and like I cheered. I was so happy because Back in the day when I hooped, I was a defensive player and it made me crazy that DeMar never worked on his defense his entire career, especially because he has a ridiculously high work ethic. And every offseason when he said, OK, I'm going to work on this, you could see a marked improvement the next season. My problem was every season it was offense, handles, shooting, offense, 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 when your liability was defensively. So I have this thing, even right now, there's a lot of buzz because DeMar has said he wants out of San Antonio and Toronto's fan base is like, bring him back to Toronto. And I'm like, please no, like we are exes for a reason. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, Most Toronto fans were pretty upset about that trade. Like, to the point where they, even with the ring, I think a lot of them have not got over it. So. I don't think DeMar DeRozan has gotten over it either. <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to get over it. He thought he was going to retire in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what you guys told him. Speaking of, like, all the praise today for Masai, um, I think uh, that one's kind of on him. I question that. I question that a lot. I would like to have been a fly on the wall because – One thing about Messiah Jerry is he is a consummate professional. I have a hard time believing he ever says there's no chance we trade you, period. I think more likely at the time they had the conversation, Kawhi Leonard was not yet available. Mm. And so at the time, sure, we're not looking to move you. But then Kawhi Leonard becomes available. It's going to be easy to get him because let's face it, San Antonio was trying to exile him to the worst franchise they could possibly think of. And we were ready for it. Like we had all the pieces in place. And as far as DeMar goes, like if you think you're untradeable, grow up. If you're a professional basketball player, like just, just grow up. Nobody's untradeable unless your name is your initials are MJ or LBJ. Right. I I guess it's just it manager says something to you like you're just like okay like yeah it sounds good i got you right <laughs> something else happens like the next week you're like what like did we like are you supposed to be this professional just had a conversation with me but also like they have egos right they're they're multi so like yeah like grow up but dude like treat me with some respect i'm an all-star this and that but speaking of someone who like doesn't get that much respect um on the national scale i know he's like in the picture now but I'm kind of curious as to uh, your reaction to him as well, because you mentioned consistency with Norm Powell. But how about Spicy P? I mean, he had he he's a, right? I, I love Spicy P, right? He's been good, but I mean, his consistency. We can we can call this year a wash, but if Spicy P was like Spicy P of last year in this year's playoffs, I you know maybe the Raptors would have been in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what I mean? 
Um, yeah. So what I say to that, and again, this is a conversation I've had with Raps fans. Hmm. A couple of things. Uh, compared to other players, like Pascal Siakam didn't start playing basketball till his late teens. So when you think about his development starting that late and what he'd done consistently for three seasons, and even right up kind of to the bubble. Before the bubble, he was still Spicy Pete. It was the bubble that I think kind of threw him a bit. But like we're talking about a player that developed in a G League, came off the bench, ended up being like a number two, three option on the championship team with no backslide for three years. Like, I just think we got spoiled. I think we should expect that at some point, young players are going to find that spot where, okay, there's, there's a hill to get over. And I think because he did so well, like four points to seven points to 16 points to 22 points, those are his averages for his first four seasons. I think we just kind of got spoiled in thinking, oh, like he's going to hit the ground running and he's never going to have to hit a, a wall that he has to come through. And I think he hit that wall this season. I think nobody's going to be harder on him than he is himself. And I think next season we're going to know that it like it was just a blip. It's not any kind of indication of, you know, he's peaked or he's he's on the backslide or anything like that. Well, we'll definitely find out uh, for next season because the Raptors are going to be in it again. That's without question. The East, uh, it's more of a question is going to be probably the seventh and eighth seed. That's those are the big questions. But yeah. I, I like Pascal. I hope he does well. I like I like seeing like other teams do well. It's actually it was fun watching the Raptors take down the Warriors, uh, a new team. Finally, we didn't have that rerun of just Cavs and Warriors, which was getting a little played out. Or Miami, wherever LeBron was, basically. I mean, it's just really LeBron. We whatever teams he goes to, it's them in the finals. Although next year will be pretty interesting. We'll see what happens when the Warriors are fully stacked. We'll see. The Warriors and like some of the other teams, like the West is going to be a juggernaut this next season, season after. Dallas is coming up. I think New Orleans is going to be good. The Jazz might figure some stuff out. Denver was good. There's two teams. Who's we- getting, who, who am I getting the thumbs down for? Down for that Dallas first round pick. We are, we are not on the Dallas train here. Oh, Dallas is my second favorite team this season. I love Luka Doncic. Well, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. We all, oh, we all, we all love Duka here. We all love Luka Doncic, but we, we don't love the big man who can't play and likes to post uh, uh, clips of him uh, of losses. Like that's that's what he likes to post on his days off in the off season. So we don't, we we are, <laughs> are not Dallas fans, but not from pure hate from actually like a real standpoint where we need them to do bad so that we can get their draft pick. So that's fair. We need, we need it. We, we need it for the Knicks. We need some, uh, we need talent. All right. We got it. We got like four picks next year in the 2021. So uh, we're looking for a haul over here. All right. <laughs> so does, does the person that has managed the picks, has that been changed out too? Cause I mean, Knicks don't have the best drafting history either. We, we have changed. So, all of our scouts are gone. All of our front office is gone, and Alex has been on top of it. Yeah, <laughs> i Alex. That that's that's why like I'm excited. That's why I feel like this team's different because the only person that stayed is Scott Perry as the GM. But from what it seems is that he is not having the sole say with 
uh, Steve Mills, who was also there, Dolan's guy, who's been with Dolan since we're talking about when he when Dolan got the Knicks. Mills has been mm-hmm. Mills has the worst record of any guy in the front office. It was like 170 wins to 300 some odd losses, and and somehow he kept getting promoted and promoted. And it was just it, it was amazing. That's why I think it's different. He he is not gone out of the organization. He just has a different role within MSG, not with the Knicks. And it's a whole new front office, whole new training staff, whole new like scouting department. We got the lead guy, like I said, from Utah. We got Zanin, we, uh, who was working with Brooklyn and OKC most recently. We got this kid, Alex Klein, coming from the Pelicans, who's like this prodigy. He's only 25 years old and already made it as like a scout in the NBA, which is just insane. Dang. Right? And so we got this whole new revamped uh, office. And we're getting into analytics. We've hired analytics people. <laughs> hey, you're only, you know, eight years late to the party. It's crazy we're actually getting analytics. Set. Instead of just having one person, from what I heard, from what, like, reports were, we now actually have, like, a tiny little staff going on. So things are changing. Dang. I can't even imagine how an NBA team does analytics with, like, just to do research for podcasts and articles is, like, a full-time job analytically. I, how does an NBA team do analytics with one person? That's what I'm saying. So this team is different. This team is legit different um, from what it is. That's why I have – it's different than when we got Phil Jackson. We brought the the Zen Master because when we brought him in, uh, there was uh, – what is it? Um, there, there was a deal where he can only bring in half of his guys and Dolan had to keep half of his guys. Now the deal is that everyone – it's free game for Leon Rose to bring in who he wants, and he's been doing his due diligence. We're talking about the man who was uh, the the head honcho of CAA. He was an agent for LeBron, Chris Paul, Melo, all those guys, and ha- had a successful agency, was the lead guy. So that's why there's a little bit of hope, and we've seen that the agent route has worked. But, Jade, I, I want to end it right there because this whole segment was for the Toronto Raptors. And thank you for coming on. Is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, so Hardcore Honeys drops every Monday at 1 for our podcast. We also have a live stream every Thursday. Hardcore Honeys presents hashtag NBA Twitter, where we talk about your guys' tweets. So you can add us or DM us if you have something you want us to talk about. Also, if you want to hear a little more Raptors stuff, especially, you know, if the Knicks get good and we might actually have some competition out in New York again. Uh, I'm on the Raptors Queens uh, podcast. We're a little bit in off season right now. We're actually going to record again tonight, but we are an, the first all women Raptors podcast. Um, and during the season, we are a weekly podcast. We also do live post game shows for Raptors games on Twitter. So check that all out. Let's go. That's what I like to hear. Let's go. Congratulations for that, Jay. That's amazing. So definitely, everyone, make sure to check out uh, Jade's work, all the podcasts. And, you know, I love your writing, especially when it comes to Raptors and just checking outside. And th- once again, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, John, anything else before we close this thing out? No, that's it. Jade, thanks for coming. We, uh, we look forward to listening to um, some of the podcasts and some of the rapid reactions especially uh on some knicks raptors talks I and mean, we do play each other a bunch of times uh during the yeah. year especially if they change up uh the schedule in any way shape or form we'll be seeing each other a lot so we'll be hooding, we'll be holding your foot to the fire when it comes to some players right that you've been uh, you had you've been high on right and we'll we'll be we'll be curious as to how your uh 
evaluation changes as the year goes on. Bring it on. All right. That's what I like to hear. Friendly competition is always welcome on this podcast. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Another Knicks episode in the books. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Please make sure to tell everyone, your family, your friends. Of course, we got cats. We love cats on this show. So make sure to get let the cats in on all the podcasts. They can have their little AirPods going too. Talk basketball. But yeah, thank you, everyone. We'll catch you later this week for a Jets episode. Later. <laughs>